Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White, or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I have coached leader after leader after leader, and in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult, and, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Jeff Letts. Jeff is the CEO of Genistar. He's also the author of a book called Against All Odds. Welcome to the podcast, Jeff. Thank you so much, Jono. Good to be with you here on the other side of the world. Yeah, yeah it, it is always uh, just kind of cool to do this with people who are literally on the other side of the world. Uh, first of all, Jeff, tell us a little bit about Genistar 
and what you do as CEO. Yeah. So uh, Genistar, we're, we're based in the United Kingdom. Um, I'm based in London, even though I, I have an American accent, which I'm sure we'll get into that. And um, I've lived in, in the UK now since 2003. And um, Genistar is a financial education company and also a financial services company. So we really help people to kind of plan their futures and make the right decisions when it comes to money. Yeah, amazing. Such an important area um, uh, for for people and great to hear that. I, I'm so excited to hear some of your story. Let's start with your childhood and growing up, Jeff. What are some of the moments from that season in your life that really shaped you into the person and the leader you are today? Mm. Well, thank you, Jono. Um, I, you know, I've, I've got such an interesting background in that I grew up in Chicago. I was actually raised in uh, a Jewish family and uh, the youngest of three children. And when I was five, um, my father had his own business, lost the business, and basically was bankrupt became so depressed over it that sadly he took his own life, uh, left my mother with three small kids, uh, loads of debt, and uh, she had a nervous breakdown, became an alcoholic. Uh, we obviously went on to welfare. Um, and uh, about a year and a half after my father died, the state of Illinois Jewish Children Family Services stepped in and declared my mother incompetent, which she was. And they took us away from my mother, uh, separated all three of us kids into different orphanages and foster homes. And about a year after that, uh, I would have been eight, uh, she died. And so I was in and out of foster care and orphanages from basically the age seven until I was 13. And then when I was 13, um, sadly, I, I attempted suicide also and was locked up in an institution for a few months, ran away when I was 13 and lived on the streets of Chicago until I was 15 years old. And, um, you know, whenever people say, boy, you're a survivor. Well, I, I tell you, go, go live on the streets of Chicago, especially in the freezing cold. And uh, that'll that'll definitely toughen toughen your skin. Um, and then when I was fifteen, I was very fortunate. I've, I had a guy that was just a few years older than me. He was twenty one. I was fifteen, and he took me in, became my foster father. And he and the pastor of a church that we had gotten involved in, these two men, really began to mentor me and. You know, at that point, I really straightened my life up, went back to high school, um, you know, became an honor student. Um, the, uh, the first week I was in high school, uh, I was the, it, it was in a rural area, Jono, and back, this is like 19, in the early 1970s, uh, sort of the height of the hippie movement. Mm. And I was the only hippie in the high school. Everybody else, uh, you know, had crew cuts and you know, uh, what they call burr, you know, burr heads, you know, where they just sort of shave their heads, a very rural area uh, outside of Chicago. And there was only one other hippie in the whole high school. Her name was Margot, And uh, she and I became friends, dated through high school and university, got married. And we've been married now for uh, over 40 years. And, um, wow. yeah, and then I got into business, uh, went, went on to university for a couple of years, didn't like it. Um, and my father had become a, my foster father had become a financial planner and he recruited me when I was 19 years old. <laughs> and I was just fascinated with the fact that, you know, we go through 14,000 hours of education and yet we don't learn anything about money. You know, they teach us how to dissect a frog or Pythagoras theory. That's all great stuff. I, I don't think I've ever used it. Um, but, you know, money is something that we use every day. And so when I was 19, <clears throat> I got into financial planning. And it's interesting because math mathematics 
was my worst subject in school. But when there was a dollar sign in front of it, it kind of took on a whole new meaning. And that's what I've been doing now for 46 years. I've been in the financial planning business. And, wow. uh, you know, I, I, I have such a passion for it, mm. not just because of making money, but also because of the fact that, boy, what would have happened if my father could have been empowered to realize yeah. that suicide wasn't the option, but there was a way out, you know, of this financial depression that he had. And yes. um, yeah, so that's that's a little bit of my little bit of my background. Yeah, I mean that's just breathtaking. Um, your story is, uh, and I think you just hit the nail on the head with the title of your book, "Against All Odds." I mean, the that's the first question that pops into my head, Jeff. Is you? I mean, people talk about having a tough childhood, and um, you know, everyone's story is is different and it's valid for each of us, but yours is legitimately right up there. And I mean, that's just some horror circumstances for a young person. What do you, and I know this is probably an oversimplification, but I can't help but ask, what, what, what do you put it down to as to why you are where you are now <laughs> against all odds after yeah. growing up? Like, yeah. are there, I mean, there might be, a million things there might be one thing what do you put it down to how have you ended up doing what you're doing after such yeah against all odds such a such a challenging um you know first 15 years of your life yeah absolutely no i don't i don't think it's an oversimplification at all and in in my book against all odds i actually cover you know what it was that really changed my life but i think if i had to boil it down to three things Number one is desire. You know, I got to tell you, at 15 years old, you know, most kids are thinking about, you know, girls and baseball and, you know, cricket and rugby or whatever, you know, whatever sport it is that people play. And I was thinking about survival. And at that point in my life, I had such a desire to get my life straightened out. You know, you've heard the term, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And at that point in my life, I, I did, I just, I, I actually cried out. And, you know, even though I was born and raised in a Jewish family and, but honestly, in my heart, I didn't really believe that there was a God. Um, in fact, I, I remember thinking as a teenager, if there was a God, boy, he sure has a cruel sense of humor, you know, all this stuff I'm having to go through. But I did, I said, God, if you're really real, help me get my life straightened out. And so, it was desire. Uh, that that's the number one thing. You know, you you gotta you gotta wanna you gotta want to change. You fire mm. in the belly of, you know, boy, I just you know, I, I I've come to the end of my rope, and I really want to make a change in my life. So that was number one is desire. Secondly, and without getting overly churchy or spiritual or anything, um, no doubt about it that a a, a faith-based um, change in my life happened uh, when I went to this little church in a rural area and uh, heard the gospel and accepted the Lord in my life. No doubt about it that that changed my life and gave me the faith that I didn't have to try to do this on my own, if you will. And then the third thing was and, and, and really equally as important as the other two was finding a couple of mentors and finding uh, some people that, that I knew had my best interest at heart, had absolutely no ulterior motive or didn't have an, a, you know, an agenda. And um, the, my foster father, the pastor at the church, really the whole community that, that was this little rural area in Southern Illinois, it was less than a thousand people yeah, population. And so it was the school teachers. It was the, uh, you know, the, I remember my, my first job, the mayor of, of this little village uh, gave me my first job, you know, as a teenager working in the summer and, and, you know, just, so many wonderful people that really spoke into my life 
And, and all of a sudden I began to realize that you got to really be careful who you allow to speak into your life and who you allow to influence you. Mm. Mm. And up to that point in my life, I had allowed, you know, other teenagers and drug dealers and people on the streets and, you know, I, 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 hey, I was hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, and you will become uh, what you think about. You will become like the people that you hang around. And so I was very fortunate that at 15, I got my life straightened out. Uh, but I would say that those are, you know, those are the three things, John, would be desire, mm. uh, faith, and then also finding some incredible mentors, not just at 15, yeah. but really over the last 50 years that I've, you know, since that time, <laughs> um, finding some great people in business. And yeah, it's been, uh, been you know, so, so fortunate to really have had the influence and had the right people in my life. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I so appreciate you sharing your story. And um, it it's, uh, yeah, it just is such an amazing story, Jeff. Uh, and I want to, I want to know, obviously, when you have challenges like you had growing up, you know, lose, losing both your parents um, when you were so little, and um, so much of it is setting you up um, for difficulty and challenge. And at the same time, like you mentioned about living on the streets in Chicago, there must have been a sense where, like you said, mm. well, you think this is tough, uh, you know, live on the streets in, in winter in Chicago for a little bit. And, and, and so what did you learn from some of those hardest moments when you were little that you, that you feel has really stuck with you in leadership even today? What, what lessons did you learn um, when you were living on the street? You know, anything that comes to mind? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting when I when I wrote my book, um, at the end of each chapter, I actually give the top two life lessons that I learned. And, um, and you're going to like this because uh, I've, I've actually got I'm, I'm got my book open here. And uh, on page 151, uh, I actually give two of the life lessons that I think answer your, your question, which is number one, your attitude affects your altitude. You know, if you got a crummy attitude, life's going to be crummy. And then the second thing is the books you read and the people that you affiliate with affect who you become. So I would say that those were really the, the two biggest life lessons uh, that I learned, mm. um, you know, while living on the streets and, um, Jeno, I, I, I hope it's okay to, to you know, to, to do this. I, one of the mm. things you find out about me is I love to tell jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just got a story that I, I always love to share. If it's a, Is it okay just to share this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Please. Okay, great. So you, you may have heard this story before, but, you know, this, this just kind of shows the difference between um, positive attitude and the negative attitude. And there were two professors of psychology and they were debating whether you know is it is it in your dna that you're positive or negative is it the you know influences your you know your environment and so they had opposing views and they decided to do an experiment so they get these two boys in that are like 10 years old and one is always negative one is you know always positive and they take the negative kid put him in a positive environment in a room with video games and toys and candy and all the things that a 10 year old kid would love. And they take the positive kid and they put him in a room that he is like, you know, waist deep in horse manure. And, and they, you know, they've got a two way mirror, uh, you know, where they can, you know, the, the, the kid sees the mirror. He doesn't know he's being observed, you know, and they're watching him and the negative kid starts playing with his video games and, and after about 10 minutes, he starts whining, you know, oh, this candy is sticky. These aren't the kind of games that I have at home. I don't like these. The toys are stupid. And the one psychologist said, listen, you know, I'm telling you, it's not their environment. And so the, the one guy, the other guy said, well, let's see how the other kids do. And they go to view and it looks like a snowstorm in there. In fact, they can't see anything because the whole window is covered with horse manure. And they open up the door. They're both holding their nose 
they can't see the kid. And one of the psychologists said, stop, stop. And he's throwing horse manure up in the air and he's covered from head to toe. And he's got this big goofy grin on his face. And one psychologist said, how can you be so happy in here? And he said, hey, mister, with all this manure in here, there's gotta be a pony down here somewhere. And I think that that <laughs> really reflects life <laughs> is that, you know, hey, listen, we all go through crap, okay? We all go through the horse manure in life, whether it's the pandemic or your parents dying or whatever it is, you know, stuff happens. And it really is a decision that you have to make. Something you have to work on every single day is your attitude. And uh, it really, you know, it affects your whole life. I love that. And I love that joke. That's gold. Um, I think uh, I, one of the things that you said around the books you read, the people you hang around, that's massive. Um, is there any anything else, any other, any other advice you'd give from your experience, you know, in life so far about if you feel like you're the sort of person who gets sick of video games rather than looking for a pony in the manure, <laughs> is that, well, where do you start? How do you, you know, how do you change your attitude? If someone listening is going, I, I want to be more like that. I do want to actually have a better attitude. <laughs> Can you give any advice on, on how to change? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's interesting. My, my foster father, uh, as I was a teenager, I mean, you can imagine coming off the streets. I got a bad attitude. I mean, every other word is, you know, is a curse word. And it, it took me a few months to clean up my, my language and my attitude. And um, he very tactfully said to me, he said, Jeff, you know, do you, do you want to win in life? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he said, well, I'm going to give you two books that could really help you uh, now, yeah, I was 15 years old and again, coming off the streets. And so he gave me two books. One was, uh, and it's an old book called The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. And boy, as I read that book, it was just explosive in my brain going, man, I have got to work on my attitude. You know, you know, you're, you're, your, your mind is a mental muscle. And I was so fascinated with the fact that anybody can be positive, but you have to make a decision. You know, it's, it's like, like losing weight or any other discipline in our lives. And so that was one book was The Power of Positive Thinking. That changed my life. And in fact, I read that book about every five or six years still to this day. I still wow. read it. Okay. The second so book good. was called How to Win How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I'm <laughs> showing my age because these are, are two old books, but they're just two classics. I mean, they just, you know, they just just work. And if you want to be successful in a people business, you know, mm. then I would, you know, that that was that was so helpful. And all of a sudden I began to get along with my school teachers and my classmates and I began to realize that if I'm ever going to go into business or work at a job and be effective and climb the ladder and, you know, have success in life, I better become a good people person and <laughs> uh, I better learn how to, to love people and use money, not love money and use people. And those two books were incredibly, mm. incredibly helpful in changing my attitude about life. And uh, I have a confession to make some 50 years, because it was, it was actually 50 years ago when that change happened in my life. Wow. Um, and to this day, I still have to work on my attitude. I still have to <laughs> bite my lip when I want to, you know, the street kid still comes out once in a while. And I still have to have that, that mental discipline in my life to say, Jeff, you know, don't don't say anything that you're going to regret later. Um, it's amazing how that our lips can either give life or death. Yeah. You know, we can either offend uh, or we can, um, you know, we can inspire. And so, yeah, so those those two books 
to this date, I, I still read. I still, in fact, just last year, I read again, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I think I'm a pretty good people person, but I still read it. And mm. every time I read it, I still get something new out of it. It's such a good book. And they're both such great books and wonderful. And I love that you literally went to, um, and, and what one of the things you do to continue to work on your attitude is to read those books. Um, and, and I really do think, you know, like you said, if you can be intentional about the books you read and also about the people who are around you, then that's, that makes all the difference. That's a massive, massive impact on, uh, on how we think, which, like you said, will then play out in the rest of our life. Yeah. I think also, Jono, that <clears throat> as I've looked at, at leaders and that get off track and people that never get on the right track, um, they don't have any accountability to anybody. And when you start getting some success in your life, I think it's so important to have self-imposed accountability to other people. I just called up a good friend of mine um, just this week, and um, he, he lives uh, in Israel. And uh, just, you know, I text him and said, hey, do you have a few minutes? And um, and so we chatted for, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. He had some time. And, you know, there, there's a proverb that says in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And, and so to this day, at 65 years old, when we're doing this broadcast, um, I've got pretty good success in my life. Um, I've, I've been a millionaire longer now than, than when I wasn't a millionaire. So I became a millionaire at 31. So for 34 years, I have been a millionaire. And, you know, it's one thing to make it. It's another thing to keep it. But to this day, I, I still discipline myself for accountability and for people that I know can speak into my life are going to have a good effect but also will be honest with me. They're not just going to tickle my ears and tell me what I want to hear. And it is important, you know, the, again, the, who you allow to speak into your life. And, and that's why, you know, I think it's so important that you have some accountability. And I have, you know, a handful of friends that I, I still call up uh, periodically. And I say, hey, I just, I need some counsel from you. You know, I'm uh, I don't know if you've ever heard this saying that says, if you're the smartest person in your group, you probably need to change groups because <laughs> you're not being challenged. And yeah. so I try to, you know, hang out with people that are smarter than me because I want to learn. And, mm. and I think this goes back to the whole desire thing. You know, if, if you're not green and growing, most likely you're ripe and rotting. And uh, I, I love the fact that I'm in my mid-60s right now, and I'm still as excited about life as back when I was 15 or 25 or 35, you know. And mm. But again, it's a discipline. You have to, you know, I'm not saying that that's every single day of my life. Hey, I, I, there's days that I get up and go, you know, why am I still working? You know, I don't have to do this. Mm. But then I go back to my mission of why I do what I do. And um, it, it goes back to the fact that, you know, you're helping leave a legacy and help changing people's lives. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to ask you, you've been on the streets as a 14-year-old and a millionaire for 30 years. <laughs> you know, two such incredibly different scenarios. What, what were the biggest challenges about... Um, you know, when you were, say, on the streets in Chicago. And what, what, are, what are the biggest challenges, um, you know, when now that you've made it to this side of where you are, like you said, as a millionaire? And I'm interested to know what are the biggest challenges of those? Because there's always different problems, right? And that's a, it's a bit like that manure and video game joke again. It's like if you think that just by achieving whatever you want to achieve that your problems will go away, that they they don't it's just a different um set of challenges and and problems so yeah i'm interested to know what, what were the biggest challenges when you were on the street versus what are the biggest challenges did you find maybe particularly when you first became successful did you find anything really challenging about that yeah well listen whether whether i was living on the streets or whether i was 
you know, you know, having success in my life or having challenges, um, you know, looking for the good in a bad situation um, is always a challenge for everybody. You know, there's uh, there, there's a saying that says um, you're either uh, going into uh, a crisis in the middle of a crisis or coming out of a crisis. <laughs> and so, you know, that's part of life. I mean, it's, it's not a, not a, on a straight trajectory up, you know, uh, things go up, things go down, whether it's the stock market or the price of property or, um, or your business or life in general and challenges and health and all the other things that go with it. <clears throat> and so certainly living on the streets, um, boy, I mean, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. You know, I mean, many, many times at night after restaurants would close, <clears throat> I'd be going out around the back in the alley and digging through the rubbish, you know, to eat somebody's leftover food, uh, or some moldy bread, you know, and, or stealing something out of a supermarket just to <clears throat> be able to survive, you know, and be able to, to feed myself. So, you know, it was a little bit like living like an animal, you know, I mean, it was, I was in survival mode, <clears throat> which is, is not any fun. I don't know anybody that goes, gee, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a life of poverty. That sounds good to me. Um, and, and I think that on this side <clears throat> of success, one of the keys is to never really never really get caught up in yourself. You know, one of my mentors used to always say, uh, the day you start believing the press about yourself, um, you know, that everybody's giving you all the accolades, uh, the day you start believing that's probably the day that you're on a, you know, on a decline. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, you, you, you look at people that start thinking that, <clears throat> that they're better than everybody. And it's amazing how that it goes back to the root of how to win friends and influence people. And, body, you know, really, if it's all boiled down, I think it's boiled down to one thing. Just treat people like you want to be treated and everybody wants to be treated with respect. Um, so whether it's a, a person that's a, mm. a janitor or a beggar on the street or a CEO of a company, you know, I mean, why, why would you treat anybody different? So I think that that's probably helped me, you know, going through life as I have, it's really helped me just to, uh, to know what it is to not have anything, uh, to also know what it is to have everything, if you will, uh, not saying I have everything because, you know, there, there's a difference in your wants and needs. Uh, I'm not a billionaire, but, you know, we have a wonderful life and I'm happy. And most importantly, I've got peace in my life. I've got a great marriage. I've got great friends. I've got, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever seen this wheel. It's called the seven F's. <clears throat> and you kind of look at the balance in your life and, it, you know, there's different things on there. Uh, you know, faith, family, friends, finance, fitness, um, and all those things, you know, someone can go, well, you know, boy, he's a real success. He's a multimillionaire. He's a billionaire. Yeah, I know. But how's the rest of his life? You know, he's been on his fifth marriage. Well, to me, that's, that's not success. You know, I'd, I'd rather have a wonderful, happy life, but have less, you know, and, and, and I'm not saying that every billionaire is like that. I, I have a good friend of mine in the States, Art <laughs> Williams, who is a, a billionaire and mm. the guy is a wonderful human being. And he's, you know, been happily married for, I don't know, probably close to 60 years now. And he's a wonderful, just a wonderful human being. He's a good guy. He's not a, you know, he's not a jerk. And um, mm. <laughs> I, I always find John O that, uh, you know, if people say, well, I, I know, I know people that have money and they're a jerk. Trust me. Okay. Money helps you become a better person. If you're a good person, and if you're a jerk, it just helps you be a bigger jerk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah. that's right. Money, just, money doesn't make it. Money doesn't make you bad. It just magnifies what's already there, doesn't it? Boy, it sure does. It sure yeah. does. Yeah. 
Oh, some wonderful advice there. Uh, I'm interested to know, Jeff, as you think about your career as a, as a leader so far, are there any aha moments in leadership that really spring to mind where you were, uh, where you made a mistake and it stuck with you, a lesson you learned, or you, um, you had some great advice from someone and you took it and it turned out to be even more important than you realized like any, or, or just something that might've seemed simple, but for some reason, it's always stuck with you as a, as a bit of a shift and, a, and an aha moment for you. Yeah. By the way, you say any mistakes. I think we're going to have to do that like on a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that can be our follow-up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Reminds me of, uh, of uh, the book by John Maxwell called Fail Forward, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, <laughs> if you've never failed, you've never tried. <clears throat> so, um. Yeah, no, listen, I, I have aha moments every day of my life, you know, with our team. And and I, I really try to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. And, you know, I, I know that I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Um, and so I just try to surround myself with smart people and, you know, try to get counsel from them. And um, I, I have to say, my my the best counselor that I've ever had and that I have now is is my wife. No, the, she just um, for for those of you that have a partner that are listening to this, you know, John, I I almost hate to admit this, and the guys are going to hate me, and the women will love me for it. I don't think Margot's ever been wrong. She just, you know, women have this sixth sense about <laughs> them that they just, mm. you know, they just have this incredible deep wisdom. Um, and so I would say that was that was one of the aha moments for me several years ago. And I and I still I still have to remind myself of it uh, is, you know, bef- I'd say all the good decisions I've ever made is when Margo and I really talked it through and dissected it and really took our time at making the right decision. All the bad decisions or decisions that I made on my own without consulting her, or she just didn't have time to give me her input because she was busy with her own, you know, life and projects and other things, which, you know, happens. And um, yeah, so I would say that's probably been one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from a leadership standpoint. Um, Yeah, and just, you know, that every day you can learn something new and um, don't be afraid to change. Don't don't get locked mm. into one set of an attitude that I'm right and everybody else is wrong. Um, yeah, so I would yeah I would say that 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 would be it. And you know, building a team of people, it, it's amazing. If if you've ever read the book either called Think and Grow Rich or um, his Napoleon Hill's first book was actually called The Wisdom of Andrew Carnegie. And uh, most people have not read it, but they've read Think and Grow Rich. And uh, the book, The Wisdom of Andrew Carnegie, is actually an interview, the very first book, Napoleon Hill was 19 years old, interviewed Andrew Carnegie, who at that time was the wealthiest person in the world. And one of the keys that he had was have a mastermind group of like-minded people. And um, to this day in business, you know, I have to say that that we have a mastermind group of like-minded people and we talk about things and some of the best ideas we come up with are sometimes a joke. I mean, you know, somebody go, yeah, well, why don't we do this? And I go, <laughs> well, you know, that that's actually not a bad idea. That's really outside the box. And so mm. I think from a leadership standpoint, get your ego out of the way. And it's, it's I think it was Harry Truman who said, it's amazing what we can accomplish when we don't care who gets the credit. Yeah, yeah, that's so um, poignant. Thank you, thank you for sharing that. Um, this is this has mm. just been so much fun, Jeff. Let's jump into a few Leadership Express questions as we bring um, this episode to a landing. Knowing that at some point um, it would be great. I mentioned before we started recording, I'd love to have you back for a follow up, and we can. Um, 
you know, one option is to talk about your failures. <laughs> no, it'd be great to hear a bit more of your story and and maybe uh, zoom in on some of the some of your uh, journey. You know, uh, because there, there's a lot that we haven't talked about today. Uh, so yeah, the invitations there. But um, we, I, I want to ask you about one on one meetings. So here's one question for you: What what advice would you give listeners about how to run great one on one meetings with your team members? One-on-one, um, you know, Art Williams, who was one of my mentors, he was the founder of a company in the U.S. called Primerica, and he used to always say, uh, praise in public and coach or correct in private. And it, it, again, it's a tough lesson to learn in leadership, you know is that uh, you know praise people that are doing the right things and if you someone's not then you take them one on one individually and uh, you know god gave us two ears two eyes and one mouth and we should use them in, in direct proportion and i think just you know learn how to ask the right questions and really find out what challenges people are having in their life it's the old adage People don't really care what you know until they know that you care. So I would say to me that that would be the biggest leadership thing is, you know, you, you got to really care about your people. I, it's, it's interesting, um, John, Margo and I were, were never blessed to have kids, but I look at, at our team and some of them are older than me and some are young, most of them are younger. Um, but I look at them like family. I look at them like my own kids, even our clients, you know, that, and, and I think when you treat people like family, you know, and I, I know there's a lot of management philosophy that goes, don't get too close to your people, but <clears throat> I don't, I've never, I've never been able to learn that. You know, I, I, I still think you can be friendly, but not familiar. Um, but yeah, just, you know, again, I think it goes back to the, the golden rule to, you know, do unto others like you'd have want to be done to you and treat people like you want to be treated, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's in a group. Yeah, that's wonderful, um, wonderful advice. And I agree. I think you can 100% keep things appropriate and be people's, uh, you know, greatest advocates. Uh, and, and it is, it comes up all the time on the podcast. And I love that you mentioned that, uh, how you you um you feel you know that uh, you're so passionate about investing in your people and it is a lot like parenting because a parent is that person who will will have you know they'll face um that young person and tell them what they need to hear and because yeah. they love them and i think that's um that's what great leadership is it's it's having that deep having their back so significantly that they know that you have the best interest and then being willing yeah. to have the tough conversations. Mm. It's easier easier said than done, but I think you, you put it really well. Yeah. You know, uh, General, if I, if I could just share this real quickly, uh, just this, yeah. this week, I had an employee come to me. He's been with us for a couple of years. I think he started when he was 17. He's now 19. Um, here in the UK, it's called an apprenticeship program where they serve with you for a couple of years. And uh, he's in our media department and he came, came to me and he said, listen, I really feel bad. I was just offered this fantastic position at a major company, a blue chip company, and it's an opportunity of a lifetime. And he laid out for me, they're going to pay for his university fees and just a bunch of other things and just having it on his resume, you know, his CV. And, and he said, you know, Jeff, what, what, what would you suggest I do? Now, I got to tell you, from a self, selfish standpoint, I don't want to lose the, the guy. We've invested a lot in him for two years. But that's what the apprenticeship program is all about, is you either prepare them to move on or you keep them. And I wanted to keep them. But he's had this incredible opportunity. And I sat there and said, if I was 19 or if this was my son or yeah, he's actually young enough to be my grandson. What would I tell him? And I looked at him and I, his name is Michael. I said, Michael, 
I said, can I tell you something? I said, first of all, we, we want you to know, man, that we love you. We appreciate all your hard work for the last two years. But if I was in your shoes, I'd be, I'd be, I, I got to tell you, this is tough for me to say, I'd, I'd be taking advantage of it. But here's what I want you to know. The door here at Genistar is always open. Okay, you've been a fantastic employee. And I, Margo and I really wish you the best. We wish you all the happiness in the world. I got to tell you, I, I, I hate losing, you know, losing employees. But, you know, I, I want the best for the guy. And if he was my grandson, that's what I would have told him to do. And I think you have to get your self-interest out of the way <clears throat> and really look at people and say what's best for them. Not what's best for me, but what's best mm. for them. And that goes back yeah. to a mental discipline of, you know, if you just, it's amazing when you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. And if you always do the right thing, then you don't have to worry about it coming back to you. Yeah, uh, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny you mentioned that one of my favorite pieces of advice from the podcast uh, was from Dr. Philip Moulds, who's a, a great uh, educator. Uh, he's a principal of a school in regional um, Queensland here in Australia. And he talked about how he has this filter where he uses his um, kids' names. And when he's making a decision, he says, what would I want? You know, I, I think his daughter's name off the top of my head is Claire. And, he, and he'd say, what, you know, what would, I, it, what would I want Claire's employer to do? If this person was Claire, what would I want their boss to do? And I thought, oh, that's so good because I think sometimes we go, I, I want to put my interests aside, but boy, that's hard to do. It's even hard to have that perspective sometimes. And so I think, uh, you know, having some tools to actually, and, and it comes back to, you know, the themes that you mentioned from the start. It's about having those people you can go to as well uh, and get advice to get perspective. Maybe some, maybe sometimes we need to hear, you know what, I think you need to encourage them to go and do it. The only reason you're not doing that is because, It'd be better for you if they if they stayed with the organization. And uh, so, yeah, whatever it takes to do that, if you can find a way to work out what's truly in their best interest and pursue that, then I do. I, I truly do believe, um, you know, there's that great Zig Ziglar quote, which I can never uh, remember off the top of my head, but it's that idea that if you help enough people get what they want, then you'll, you'll end up getting get what, what you want. want. Yeah. Um, so I think you hit the nail on the head. Interestingly. Yeah. We had an employee about three years ago that had been in a different industry. She was with us for a couple of years. She had a new job come up and again, she was in tears. She's like, you know, I really don't want to leave. And I told her, I said, listen, you know, you're always welcome to come back. It's so interesting. A year ago, after she'd been gone for two years, she said, I love working for you, Jeff. Can I please, please come back? She said, it's it's just been, you know, kind of a nightmare the last two years. I said, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you, you treat them good when they're there. And if they decide to leave, you still treat them good. And uh, it is amazing how you always end up reaping what you sow. <laughs> 100%. Okay, last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say to them? I would say find a mentor. And by the way, that doesn't have to be somebody that you're able to talk to. You know, um, for years, I read John Maxwell's books. Um, and now John's a good, a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he's, in fact, he's the first endorsement in my book. Um, but I read all of his material first. And then and then it's amazing now that that door opened up and I did get to meet him and we became good friends. Um, Jim Rowan, I, I, you know, I read all of Jim's stuff and this is many, many years ago, of course he's passed away now. And I met Jim uh, in the US and you know we got to know each other. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the name Rabbi Daniel Lappin. Yeah, have you ever heard of him, Chano? Yeah, I have heard the name, yeah. Yeah, 
yeah, incredible. I mean, if you just go onto YouTube and watch his material, he's probably got a hundred hours of free stuff on YouTube. But I, I, I bought his entire package. I think it was a thousand dollars that I spent, you know, um, and and then I wrote him after I'd studied everything, so I wasn't taking up his his time to ask, you know, ask him loads of questions, and. To this date, we're we're good friends, and he's he is one of those handful of people that I speak with on a regular basis um, <clears throat> and get counsel from. And so, I would say one of the most important things is find, decide who, decide what you want your life to look like. I mean, you you can construct how you want your life to look, but in order to do that you need to be able to plug in, tie in to someone that's wiser and smarter than you. And I would say one of the best resources is to, you know, most people know who John Maxwell is, but if you don't, mm. um, I mean, you know, J John Maxwell, in my opinion, at least, is the best, the, the mm. cream, the, the cream of la cream when it comes <laughs> to leadership. I mean, the guy mm -hmm. is common sense. And he's mm -hmm. and and I tell you this, he's a wonderful human being. He really is. Um, you yeah. know. Um, so yes, yeah, so I would say I would say if somebody wants to become a leader, hang out with people that you want to become like. And when I say hang out, it doesn't mean that you have to be physically there. Mm. But um, you know, I I subscribe to John Maxwell's you know, podcasts, listen to it on a regular basis, Rabbi Lappin, um, you know, continue to be a good student and never, never get too caught up in what your success is. You know, always remember where you came from. And I think hmm. that's something that I've been pretty good at is remembering the, the, uh, the, the grassroots where I came from. You know, if you never forget where you came from, uh, then you'll always treat people well. Such great advice. And if though if people are listening and feeling, you know, I, I always think of that person who's sort of uh, pulled over because um, they were on the road somewhere and it's just really been the episode for them that they needed to hear. Uh, you know, then, then a great starting point is, uh, you know, in terms of finding someone to mentor you, I love Jeff's advice. Yes, you want, you want to find uh, people in real life where you can spend time with them, but start with John Maxwell. Start with how to win friends and influence people um, start with, you know, some of the other resources we've mentioned and, uh, and, and also, you know, and, uh, I'll, I'll give this plug, but I, I think start with Jeff's book against all odds and read his story because I, I certainly feel just by spending this time together, I feel like I'm a slightly, <laughs> I, I feel like my attitude slightly turned up. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just, just having this conversation even. So, um, if you're listening and you're mm. feeling challenged, then go and get an audio book book of some of the people we've mentioned and read um, and start that mentoring journey, even if it's just through book form and you can't go wrong with John Maxwell. I agree with you, Jeff. Um, can, can you just tell us how can people follow you online um, and also find your book online, Jeff? Yeah. So, um, well, a couple of things, you know, what, it, it's interesting because you just asked uh, what, what can people do to get started? I think, I think everybody listening to this has already got started because they're listening to your podcast. Yeah, true. <laughs> so maybe one of the best things, maybe one of the best things they can do is go back in your library and listen to all of your podcasts because you got some great resources there. And, uh, so that would be, you know, a, a great start. Uh, you know, on that. So um, my, you can actually go online. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, or you can, um, you know, follow me on Facebook. Uh, the surname is L E S T Z, um, and um, and then also, John, I'd like to say, you know, they certainly can go on to Amazon um, and download. The audiobook Against All Odds, um, you know, which I'm, I'm the author of, um, or they can can you know order the hard copy. But what I'd like to do mm. is for all of your listeners, and I hope this is okay with you, Jono, yeah. if they will contact you personally, 
um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you access to the ebook, and you can freely give to a- anybody that emails you mm. personally. Uh, they can get the book from you and a free copy of the ebook and read through it. And then all my details are also in the back of the book. I do answer every single email that comes to me. Um, and uh, I know some people find that hard to believe, but uh, my email address is in the back uh, of the book. And um, yeah, I'm happy to help coach people any way that I can. That's so generous. And uh, if you'd like to take uh, Jeff up on that offer, which is super generous, please do send me an email. Uh, you can send that to Jono, J-O-N-N-O, at consultclarity.org, O-R-G. That's Jono at consultclarity.org. And I'll be very happy to pass on uh, Jeff's ebook to you. That's just such a kind offer. Uh, well, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Like I said, I know I just really believe there'll be a bunch of you who have stopped jogging and sat down to listen or, you know, pulled over because it's one of those episodes where I think, you know, the right right place, right time, it, it, it's, um, I really believe some people this will be a, a bit of a game changer for you, which I, I just love. I really do love that. Um, don't forget, I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places you can go to continue to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Jeff, uh, for being, first of all, so generous with your time, but so vulnerable. Your story is mind-blowing, and I feel very, um, yeah, I just feel very honoured that you that you shared that with me today, and it's definitely been an encouragement to me, and I know it will be to our listeners, um, and it's also just been a joy to spend time with you. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you, Jono, for having me today. It's been an honour. And um, yeah, I'm excited about getting plugged into all of your other podcasts. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership. And leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders And, you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders, and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review 
and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this. I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and and please do that. And look for me, John O. White or Clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time.